Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It is our 733rd day, the third day of the new year, and we're in Psalm 106. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. It is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the truth, and it's the truth we need to hear. Please write Psalm 106 on our hearts that we might sing it back to you from the heart for your glory as we pray it and live it and see Jesus clearly. We pray this in his name. Amen. Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry, and he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe, and redeemed them from the power of the enemy, and the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. But they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but they had a wanton craving in the wilderness, and put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but sent a wasting disease among them. When men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, the earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abiram. Fire also broke out in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said, he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. Then they despised the pleasant land, having no faith in his promise. They murmured in their tents and did not obey the voice of the Lord. Therefore he raised his hand and swore to them that he would make them fall in the wilderness and would make their offspring fall among the nations, scattering them among their lands. Then they yoked themselves to the bale of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They provoked the Lord to anger with their deeds and a plague broke out among them. Then Phineas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stayed, 
and that was counted to him as righteousness from generation to generation forever. They angered him at the waters of Meribah, and it went ill with Moses on their account, for they made his spirit bitter, and he spoke rashly with his lips. They did not destroy the peoples, as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations, and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts, and played the whore in their deeds. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the hand of the nations, so that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes, and were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. It's Psalm 106. Now, a couple days ago, we already did Psalm 107, which is actually the beginning of Book 5. So we're going back here to catch the end of Book 4, Psalm 106. This is a psalm of those who are living in exile. And that's really kind of important to understand the context for that. And the closing prayer request is you get to, what are they asking God for? Well, save us and deliver us and gather us from all the nations. Well, they're in exile. And this is kind of recounting some of the history of why it is that they deserve to be in exile. And so it opens with praise the Lord, hallelujah. And then with, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. This is a refrain that's found throughout the Old Testament. And it's a very important part of worship, biblical worship. We are to give thanks to the Lord for two good reasons. For he is good, right? He's a good God. He's not one of these wicked, selfish, capricious, unpredictable uh, gods of the nations that men make. He's good. And his steadfast love, his chesed, endures forever. That is his covenant commitment of love and loyalty to his people for their good. It endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? God has done so many good things for his people. And those are recounted here. And basically what we get in Psalm 106 is a recounting of how good God was to his people and how foolishly stubborn and sinful his people were again and again, despite how good God was. And you know the history of the Exodus and of the wilderness wanderings. And this is all recounted here. He's asking, the psalmist is asking God to be good again, even though the people of God have been sinful again. And it's not a flippant sort of 
to err is human, to forgive is divine. Well, we sin because that's in our nature and God forgives because that's in his nature. It's not flippant. It is covenantal pleading with God. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. And then at the end, um, gather us, O Lord. Save us, gather us from all the nations. It's an earnest pleading with God for undeserved grace and favor and kindness based upon God's chesed on his steadfast love and based upon the covenant promises that he has made. There's no doubt that God will keep his covenant promises, that God will show favor to his people, that God will give prosperity to his chosen ones, that God will cause his people to rejoice in gladness. But there's a desire that we would be able to share in that, that we would be forgiven both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. There's a, there's a confession that this is totally undeserved. See, the way the Bible approaches God is so different from the way that our own human nature or that um, anything else, like the world and its ways, would call us. Normally we say, okay, I'm going to bargain with God. I'm going to offer God something. I'm going to, I'm going to show God that I really deserve it. I'm going to try to earn this. Or the world says, you know, you have to sort of give God something or, or pay him off. Or it says, well, God sort of owes us because he's God. And, you know, we're basically good people. And so why wouldn't he be good to us? The Bible doesn't take any of that. It doesn't take this bribery and coercion approach of I'm going to give to God and put him in my debt. Nor does it take this sort of entitlement mentality of, we're basically good and God ought to do good for us because we deserve it. No, it says very openly and very frankly, we have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. We don't deserve anything good from the Lord, but because God is good and because of his steadfast love, because of his chesed heart for his people, please do good to us. And as we saw yesterday in Isaiah 43, God says, he will. I, the Lord, will forgive you for my own name's sake. I will, I will blot out your iniquities and your transgressions. God is good, and we sin, and we plead to God on the basis of his covenant mercies, and he blots out our sin, and he's good to us again and again. And it's been going on this way for thousands of years, literally. I mean, it's going back to... 1500 BC, like 3,500 years ago that God's been doing this, redeeming, delivering. His people sing, his people praise, but then they forget, then they wander away, then God disciplines them, then they, uh, they commit idolatry, a mediator intercedes, God's wrath is turned away, they despise the land, it's a pattern that is we we repeat. If you ever, if God, if someone ever tried to offer you um, comfort or insurance from God's word, you've been kind of dismissive of it. Like, yes, but your sins are forgiven, and you're a child. You're 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 in some kind of kind of distress, right? Let's say you're lonely. You don't have a relationship that you want. You are struggling financially maybe you're feeling unfulfilled in your work and someone says to you biblically yes but remember that you are a child of god 
and that you are forgiven by God and that you've been adopted into God's family, that you have an eternal inheritance in Christ. And you say, oh, yeah, but that doesn't help me with my loneliness right now. Or oh, I, I know, but that doesn't help me pay the bills right now. Or yeah, but that doesn't help me with my job fulfillment right now. That is despising the pleasant land and having no faith in his promise. That is murmuring in your tents and not obeying the voice of the Lord. This is how like the things in the Bible directly connect to our lives. God's given us an inheritance in Christ. He's given us an identity in Christ. He's forgiven our sins. He hasn't treated us as our sins deserve. He's been gracious to us. He's been good to us. And we murmur and complain because we don't have exactly what we think we need and what we want. That's idolatry. That's faithlessness. That's murmuring in our tents and not obeying the voice of the Lord and despising the pleasant land and having no faith in the promise. And we do it again and again. And when we come to our senses, and when we turn to God, and we say to God, I'm sorry, that was stupid of me and foolish, and please forgive me, and you have been good to me, God says, I forgive you. You're mine. I love you. Again and again. Isn't that wonderful? Ultimately, the intercessor that we need is the Lord Jesus Christ, who delivers us from all of our distresses, who hears our cry, who is the fulfillment of the covenant of God, who is all that we need. When we're in distress, God hears us. He remembers his covenant fulfilled in Christ. He acts according to the abundance of his steadfast love embodied in Christ. He causes us to be pitied. He does save us. He does gather us from among the nations. And so what should we do? Well, let's do what the end of verse 67 says, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. God's done this for us. He's fulfilled the request of Psalm 106, if you belong to Jesus Christ. So let's give thanks to his holy name and glory in his praise. Let's stop despising and disbelieving his promises and murmuring in our tents. And let's walk with joy in who God has made us to be and what he's called us to. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of life that we have in your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us life and help us to live it. Give us a reminder of the truth. Help us to give thanks to you. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thank you for the hope that is ours in him that cannot be shaken by anything in this world. Thank you that we have everything we need in Christ. He is all-sufficient to every need we have. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for Psalm 106. We're going to go back to Isaiah tomorrow, and I do hope you have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm -hmm.